Thank you, guys. Was there a game or something last night? <laughs> Keep on hearing people talk about it. No, I, I actually, I had a, a whole message planned, but I'm scrapping it because I want to talk about special teams a little <laughs> bit, and no, it's an awesome game. Uh, actually, we are in the middle of a series on vineyard distinctives. If you were here last week, you heard Heather kick it off. She talked about some things that made the vineyard unique, some things that make us distinct, or uh, just things that you know, we value and we, we, we really care about and that are the center of what we believe. And so each week, this week, last week, and next week, we're going to be looking at vineyard distinctives. And one thing that Heather said last week that I feel bears repeating is this is not just a time to, you know, toot our own horn or to say we're the best. Uh, you know, we love as the vineyard just being a part of the greater church. We love, we love the greater church. That's why every week we pray for another church in the area and we, we honestly, we have great relationships with the churches around us. We don't feel like we're in competition with them. Um, you know, we love St. John Newman. We love Sunbury United Methodist. We love the churches in the area. So we view them as our brothers and sisters. So this series, again, it's not tooting our own horns or saying why we're the best. We just want to talk about what makes us unique. Because there are some things that make us unique. See, I've been around the vineyard now for about 30 years. I was a part of uh, what's now known as Vineyard Columbus. It was back then, it was called Christ Community Church. Is there anyone here who's part of Christ Community Church? Raise your hand. All right, we got one. That's awesome. Two. All right, we got a couple old school people. But I remember being a part of Christ Community Church and as a little boy, my parents were pastors there, um, and they were looking, it was a healthy church, but they were looking to kind of belong to something bigger. They wanted to have, you know, a denomination or a, a movement to kind of align themselves with. And, you know, I don't remember totally how we became a vineyard. I was, I think, seven years old when we did. I do remember that I thought the name was silly. I was like, the vineyard? That doesn't sound like a church. Um, but I, I remember in the, the late 80s, my parents began, and Rich Nathan and some of the other pastors and leaders began to talk about this guy named John Wimber. And we talked a lot about him last week, but they began to talk about him and, and, and some of the things he would talk about. And at the time, John Wimber was the leader, the national leader of the vineyard. And, and now the vineyard is huge. It's over 2,000 churches, but at the time it was around 50 churches. So it's this small little movement of churches um, that the vineyard, that, you know, Christ Community Church began to talk about and investigate. And we began to get to know the vineyard a little bit more and more and more. And I think we began to realize these are our people. Like, we really align with what they believe, and we really feel like we belong to this movement called the Vineyard. So again, I've been part of the Vineyard since I was a little boy, and let me tell you, I don't think we're the smartest, I don't think we're the coolest, I don't think we're the best, but I really love who we are. I really love who we are, and so this week, we're going to highlight a few of the reasons why I love being a part of the Vineyard.
a few of our distinctives. So let me just pray, invite the Lord here. So come, Holy Spirit. We just thank you for meeting us during worship, and we just ask that you continue to speak to us. Just be with us this morning. In your name, amen. Hey, before we jump in, I just want to let you know something. So we've been uh, kind of talking about some different ideas of the vineyard and talking about different books. On the, the info counter, I have a list of books that I recommend for this series. So all the books that we recommend we have on our bookshelf, but I encourage you after the service to go check it out, grab the list, and uh, if you want to buy a book, we sell them at cost. We don't make any, any money off of that, so the, the book cart is probably the best place to buy it. So the first distinctive that I want to talk about this morning is one that's really important to me. The first distinctive is this, that here at the vineyard, we are worshipers of God. We are worshipers of God. We really value worship in the vineyard. Since the beginning, it has been central to the vineyard movement. Worship has been central. And really, the way um, vineyard, I mean, vineyard is known for worship. It's always, since the beginning, been known for its worship, and it really has changed the way that the greater church has worshipped. It's influenced the greater church. That's one of the things that we really have brought to the greater church. And for years, Vineyard has produced songs that the whole world has sung. You know, we, we sang a couple Vineyard songs this morning, but, I mean, there's some huge ones, like, Come, now is the time to worship vineyard it's vineyard or this is the air i breathe i mean we could go on and on there are vineyard songs that change the way the 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 world worshiped i mean if you were part of the contemporary church in the 80s or 90s there's a good chance that probably most of the songs you sang were written by the vineyard and now, because of that, we have places like Bethel and Hillsong and Jesus Culture and Passion and, and all of these, Elevation and all of these places that are, that are producing these great, great worship songs. But if you read interviews by them or you talk to them, they will always point back to the vineyard. Like, oh, the vineyard was the one, they were leading the way in, in contemporary worship. Because did you know in the early 70s, there was no such thing as contemporary worship. I mean, many of you probably know that, but I didn't. There was no such thing. And it was the vineyard, along with, with you know, people like Maranatha and some other people who really ushered in this idea of contemporary worship. Like, why don't we sing songs that maybe feel a little bit more like the songs we would listen to in our everyday life? You know, why don't we sing some songs that, you know, maybe have the instruments that we enjoy listening to, like guitars or drums. Or, and this was huge. This was huge. John Wimber, in fact, he was an incredible musician. He was a, a, a record producer. He worked with the Righteous Brothers. And so music was very important to him. And it's obvious that music is very important to the vineyard. 
But more importantly than just the style of music that we worship to, what the vineyard brought to worship was, was the subject matter in worship. And I don't mean like something other than God. We were, you know, all, the church was always worshiping God. But, you know, when the vineyard first started, it was, it was birthed out of this small group of people who were just sick of the religious rules, tradition, and they wanted to, 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 to know God. They didn't want to just check off the box of church and, and do these religious traditions. They wanted to experience God, to know him, to be intimate with him. There was a high value on the presence of God. So when they would gather early on, very early on, they would talk about this, the, the, the presence of God, and we want, to, we want to know him and experience him. And they said that there was one day where this young guy, he was actually, he came off the streets and he picked up an acoustic guitar and he began to sing a song to Jesus. Straight, it was a love song right to Jesus and this was revolutionary. This blew their minds. This was a big deal. See, because for the most part, the hymns that the church was singing, they were songs about God. They were songs that talked about his characteristics and who he, who he is and what he's done, but they weren't singing to him. Now, if you look through the hymns, you'll find that there's a history of great hymns that are singing straight to God, but they are few and far between. But the vineyard began singing songs to God, to him. Because what they realized was the goal of worship, other than just lifting God up and praising him and being thankful to him, was something, something really cool. It was intimacy with him. That the goal of worship is connection to Jesus, intimacy with him. So this is why today, when we come to church, and not just here in the vineyard, but just lots of churches, we sing songs that are directed to Jesus. Because when we praise him, he is here with us. He is here with us. Think about that. I mean, scripture tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. Think about that. That's amazing. I mean, if that's true, that changes everything. If he inhabits the praises of his people, then worship stops being, you know, the thing we do before the sermon. It stops being like the pre-sermon entertainment. Or even, I'm sure a lot of you have heard this, like worship is the thing that prepares our hearts for the sermon. And it becomes so much more than that. There is, there is value in and of itself connection with Jesus. Worship becomes central to everything that we do. And from the early days of the vineyard until now, worship has been central and vital to everything that we do. As a church, as a, as, a, as a movement of churches here at VCDC and as individuals, worship is central in our lives. John Wimber once said, our heart's desire should, should be to worship God. 
We have been designed by God for this purpose. And if we don't worship God, we will worship something or someone else. That's the truth. We were created. We were made to worship. Worship is what we were made for. Do you know that Isaiah 43, 7 tells us that we were created for his glory, to worship him. And you know, also in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, it is a commandment. It is not just like a suggestion or, hey, it's good to do this. It is a commandment. Worship your God, it says, over and over. Worship your God. And this, it means a lot more than just singing. It does. It means a lot more than just singing. We believe that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. Because worship basically comes from the word that means worth-ship, like what you give worth to, what you ultimately value above all other things. Worship is saying, you know, this thing is, is more important than all other things. So when we worship God, we say, God, you are worthy of all praise. You are worth more. You are more valuable than anything else, anyone else. You deserve our praise. You are bigger, you are better, you are higher, you are stronger, you are more loving, you are more powerful, you are more kind, you are more etc. But God loves it when his people, his kids come together and say that collectively. When we come together as a people and say, I mean, think about it. If you're a parent, you know when your kids come together and like are playing well together and they're like, you know, mommy or daddy, you're great. Like, There's nothing better than that. I remember my dad some t- said this one time. He said, worship is like when we sing happy birthday at a birthday party. It's like we all come together to honor this one person. No matter how we're feeling, we say, hey, we want to honor you today. Worship. When we gather together on the weekends, it is to, to honor God collectively. And God loves it when we do this. And I, and, I, and I also believe that there are certain truths that must be sung. They have to be sung. You can say them and they, they'll have some power, but when you sing them, they have so much more power. Let me give you an example. I can say, you know, God's a good father. And yeah, yeah, he is. But this morning when we sang, you're a good, good father, it's deeper. It's deeper. It's, it's, it's somehow not, not untrue when we said it, but it's even more true when we sing it. There's some truths that must be sung. And that's why when we come together on the weekend and gather together and sing his praise or when we are in small group and we're singing together as as, as children, it it is a game changer. There's power in it. All over scripture, there's sing to your Lord, lift your voices, make a joyful noise play instruments, all of these things that tell us to, to make music for him. There's power in it, and he inhabits our praises. All right, so I could talk about worship all day long, but I'm going to move on. If you can't tell, though, I love worship. So the next, the next distinctive I want to talk about is this, and I'm going to give you the first part of it, and hold on, because I'll give you the second later. So if you're taking notes, don't fill up your whole blank. 
So the first part is come as you are. Come as you are. I love this distinctive. This is a good one. See, here in the vineyard, we want to be a church where literally, think about this, we want to be a church where literally anyone can walk through the doors and they feel welcomed. Anyone. Think about that for a second. No one is too sinful. No one is too messed up. No one is too far gone. No one's too strange, too weird, too smelly, too, you know, whatever. Anyone can walk through the doors. Come as you are. You know, I often times hear this when I'm talking to someone about church, maybe inviting them to church, and they'll say something like, man, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this, you know, if I, if I walked into your church, your church would get struck by lightning. And it's funny, but you know what? It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Because it is the message that the church is, is giving people. It's not God who's giving people that message. We're giving people that message. We want to fight against that. When we hear people say things like that or, or have attitudes like, I can't go into church. I mean, look at me. We want to actively fight against that. Come as you are. There's a deep-seated belief in our culture that says only these kind of people are allowed in church. You have to look this way or, or vote this way or dress this way or talk this way or act this way. Come as you are. I remember talking to a, a Christian friend. He wasn't, he wasn't a vineyard guy, but I remember talking to him about this idea I'm just saying, we want, we want everyone to be welcome. We want everyone to be welcome. And he said, yeah, but don't you, don't you think Christians are supposed to be set apart? Doesn't the Bible tell us that we're supposed to be different and set apart and, 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 and you know, holy and righteous, and, which means set apart? And, and I said, yeah, yeah, it does. But, and the Bible does say that. But do you know what the Bible says will make us different? You know what the Bible tells us will make us different? It's not our clothing. It's not that we wear ties every Sunday. It's not the way we speak. Again, it's not the way we vote. What makes us different, the Bible says, is that we will be known by the way we love. It says people will know us by the way we love. Come as you are. Come as you are. And not just to church. Come to Jesus as you are. Come as you are. That's the, way we, that's the reason why we dress the way we do. This is not my Sunday best. This is just the clothes I happen to have, you know, laying around. That's the way we, we talk the way we do. That's the way, reason why, you know, I love it when people come to me, like a neighbor or something will be talking and, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. You're a pastor? Like, I love that. Like, that's, that's a compliment to me. I mean, nowhere in the Bible does it say, here's the dress code. Here's what you got to, you know, here, make sure your shirt's tucked in. Make sure you're not wearing a hat. Make sure your, your tie is this, you know, this kind of knot. Come as you are. 
I wonder what Jesus wore to church. I wonder what, what he wore. I mean, W, W, J, W. What would Jesus wear? <laughs> you know, let's be real. Let's be real people. Let's be authentic people here. And listen, I love churches where people, you know, dress up. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and I love it when I see people come in here dressed up. Like I know on Christmas Eve, a lot of times I'll, I'll do the, mus- the music on Christmas Eve and the band will say, hey, well, should we, should we dress up? And I say, if you want to, but you don't have to. Like, it's cool. Like we want, we want the people up on stage to just model like you can be whoever you want to be. You can dress how you want. And that's what I love about this church. I mean, people, you know, we, we get feedback from visitors and one of the most common feedback we get from visitors is people constantly saying, when I, when I came into your church, it just felt real to me. It felt authentic. I felt welcomed. We want people to feel welcome to come as you are. Come as you are. John Wimber once talked about when he got saved, when he met Jesus, he, he you know, knew or thought, he should be a part of a church. And he went to this church and, you know, he talks about how weird it was. And this is all part of this testimony that he gave called I'm a Fool for Christ. And you can search for it on YouTube. It's really good. It's, it's funny. But he talks about um, coming into church and feeling so out of place and, 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 and just awkward. And he began to invite his friends. And remember, he was a musician and he hung out with a lot of, you know, maybe some shady characters. He's inviting, you know, druggies and, and, and all kinds of people to the church. And this caused major drama within the church. It caused a lot of drama because the, the people in the church didn't want them there. They didn't want them inside the church. And he shares this story of this woman coming up to him and, and, and looking at him and say, you have ruined my church. You've ruined my church. And he said, he looked at her and he said, you know, I know, and I'm sorry. But if they can't come here, where else can they go? Isn't that the truth? Where else can they go? You know, I was talking to uh, ben and Olivia, who, who lead worship, and they were, they were um, traveling a few weeks back, and they said they, were, they stopped by this church, and they said it was a great church, but when they walked in, they were dressed like vineyard people, um, and they walked in, and, and everyone was just dressed to the nines, and they said, we felt so out of place. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with being a church that dresses up, but we don't, we don't want people to feel out of place. We don't want people to feel weird. Come as you are, no matter how you look, no matter how, and and not just how you dress, no matter how broken you are or how messed up you are. I love this quote, and and I was actually just told that this is Dear Abby. I didn't know this. This is Abigail Van Buren, is who I thought it was, which I guess is the same person. But it says, the church... Listen to this. The church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. It's a hospital. Come, receive healing, meet Jesus, get healthy. 
All are welcome. This church should be a place of healing. This is so important that we say, come as you are, not get healthy, clean yourself up, and then come on. Because sometimes, you know, people are just not going to like us because we love Jesus. The Bible tells us that. Sometimes people won't like us because we love Jesus. But, and there's nothing we can do about that, but sometimes I think what stops people from coming to church is because they feel like they're going to be judged. They feel like, you know, Christians are hypocrites. Or when, they, when I walk through the door, they're not, they're not going to like me or I'm not going to fit in. And we need to fight against that. If people aren't going to come to church because of our attitudes, or people aren't going to come to know Jesus because of our attitudes, we need, to, we need to evaluate those things. I mean, this, this is not the vineyard's idea. We didn't come up with this idea. This was Jesus' idea. This was the life of Jesus constantly saying, come as you are, come on, come to me. Jesus had his arms wide open saying, come, just inviting. One of my favorite stories about Jesus was this was story about this woman who's, who's caught in adultery and, and the people, the religious people at the time were getting ready to stone her. That was the custom of the time. They were, they were getting ready to stone her. And Jesus stands up to them and he says, basically, he says, if any of you guys are perfect, if any of you guys haven't messed up before, you can go ahead and stone her. And they begin to put, put their stones down. And then he stands up, listen to this. It says, Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Where are they? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she says. And Jesus said, neither do I. Neither do I. Then he says, go and sin no more. See, he welcomes her. He says, I do not condemn you. Come. He loves her. But then he does something, which is the second part of come as you are. He kind of says, you gotta stop what you're doing. There has to be some growth in your life. And this is the second part of this distinctive. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Don't stay as you are. And this doesn't mean, you know, get brainwashed and start dressing the same and talking the same and all that stuff. No, it means, well, yes, we wanna be a church that's radically open and welcome to anyone with our arms open saying, come, 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 come meet Jesus. We also want to be a church of people who are radically committed to grow closer to him and become more like him. And that we would be open to people challenging us and, 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 and spurring us on. And we would, we, would, we, would, we would be a church that would challenge each other that we wouldn't be afraid to speak out in love to each other and saying, you know, this is not how God has called you to live. But you see, the order is really important, right? It's come as you are. Be welcome. Be a part of the family. Come meet Jesus. Come, come hear the teachings of Jesus. Come get to know him. 
But then he's gonna, he's gonna challenge you to change. Church community is where we grow. We can't expect people to get things together and then come in. So let me say this. If you're here and you feel like, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to be a part of this church or I'd like to, to, to get connected, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. I've done too many things and, you know, I'm just too messed up. I just want to say, you are welcome. Please feel welcome here. Come, come to it. Be a part of what we're doing. Be a part of our family. And, and listen to this. If you feel like you're too messed up, you are in good company. Because we are all messed up. And we're on this journey to, to maybe become less messed up, to become more like Christ. And we want you to be a part of that journey. And we may challenge you. We may, we may address things with each other, but we want you to belong. We want you to come first. And for the rest of us, Let's think, let's stop and think about anything that we say or do that would challenge this, that would put barriers in the way of people coming as they are. Are we saying or doing anything? Are we posting anything on Facebook that would cause barriers from people thinking, hey, I want to be a part of church? Just like John Wimber said, if they can't come here, where else can they go? Where else can they go? So finally, I want to talk about my, maybe my favorite distinctive, and it comes right out of, of that come as you are. It's, I think it's my favorite, but maybe, the, maybe next week I'll be like, no, that one's my favorite, no. But this one is so good. It's everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. Let me explain what I mean. When I, when I say play, I mean the works of the kingdom. We get to do the works of the kingdom, the things that Jesus has called us to do, the ministry of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter two says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. There are things for, for us to do, and this can be really big things or really small things. These can be, you know, supernatural things or, or natural things. But we get to play. We get to play. We get to be involved. And when I say everyone, here's what I mean. Everyone. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. Young, old, you know, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, Republican, Democrat, everyone gets to play. And if I missed any other, everyone, everyone gets to play. You know, and in fact, we're about to... I don't know if we're celebrating it, kind of. The 500-year anniversary of Martin Luther's Reformation it happened 500 years ago where Martin Luther, one of the, the 95 theses where he you know, nailed it on, the, I don't need to go into this, but one of the theses was the priesthood of all believers. 
the priesthood of all believers, that we all are, are, you know, we're all a part. You don't need me to connect you to Jesus. You can do that. You don't need me to read the Bible to you. You can do that. Everyone gets to play. There's a, there's a vineyard pastor named Steve Nicholson out in Chicago, and he regularly asks his church, who are the ministers of this church? Who are the ministers of this church? And they will respond back, we are. We are the ministers of this church. And that's true. You guys and me, we all are the ministers of this church. We want us all to play. The vineyard isn't a church where the the pastors do the, the ministry. We pray for the people. We do the work and you guys watch us. No, we want all of us to play. I remember when my parents went to go see Wimber, I think it was for the first time, John Wimber, one of the things that he, would, um, he was known for were signs and wonders, where there's healings that would you know, follow him, where he would pray for people and they would be healed, all kinds of cool stuff like that. And so a lot of people would come hear him speak because they wanted to see miracles. And so he, you know, at the end of his, you know, this conference that he did, he invited, you know, I don't know what it was, but he invited someone who was sick up on stage to be prayed for. And uh, everyone was like excited to see John Wimber, you know, lay his hands on this guy and heal him. But what John Wimber did was, was so awesome, was he invited little kids to come up on stage and pray for that guy. And the guy was healed. Because he was demonstrating that everyone gets to play, not just superstar John Wimber. Little kids get to play. Your, your kids get to play. You know, the, the elderly get to play. People who have been Christians for five minutes get to play. People who have been Christians for 75 years get to play. Everyone gets to play. That's why here at the church, we don't have a prayer team. Do you know that? We don't have a prayer team. We believe that we are the prayer team. The church is the prayer team. And, and let me just say this, we have an equipped class coming up tr- teaching us how to pray. And if, you, if you're uncomfortable with prayer, I want to encourage you to go to that class. But listen, we don't care if you've been a Christian, you just became a Christian right now, or you've been a Christian your whole life, you can pray for people. You can get involved. Everyone gets to play. That doesn't mean that everybody gets to do whatever they want. I mean, sometimes people will be like, everyone gets to play, so I get to do that. And it's like, no, no, not everyone gets to do everything, but you get to do the works that the Lord has laid out for you. You get to minister. What has God called you to do? You get to play. You know, oftentimes I'll have people call me and they'll say things like, you know, hey, uh, Pastor JT, and for, first of all, it makes me feel weird when people call me Pastor JT. But they'll say, Pastor JT, um, I, I have a friend who's really struggling in this. Can, would, you, would you mind coming over and praying for him? And, and I, you know, I would, I would be glad to. I would love to. I'd be honored to pray for that guy. But you know what? Do you know you can pray for that guy too? You can pray for your friend. John Wimber used to tell this story Early on in the church, when it was beginning to, you know, they really needed members, they were struggling financially, um, they had this guy who moved into, moved into town and really needed help moving, and he, he really wanted to be a part of the church, so 
um, you know, this, this guy called up and said, hey, this guy's moving in. He needs some help moving. Could, could, you know, one of you guys come and help him move in? And, you know, they were swamped. And John was like, we, you know, we'd really love to, but we just, we just don't really have time to help him out. So the guy was furious and hung up on the phone. And a few days later, called John back up and said, I am so angry that you guys wouldn't help this guy move in. I mean, I am so, the church should have helped him out. I had to get, you know, a few people in my small group to go over and help him out, but the church should have helped him out. And John Wimber responded and says, well, it sounds like the church did help him out. Because we are the church. We get to play. We get to minister. We get to do, again, the big things, the small things, the supernatural things, the natural things. We get to play. This is the model that Jesus gave us. Again, this is not Vineyard's great idea. This is the model that Jesus gave us. I mean, look at Jesus' disciples. Jesus' disciples were a hodgepodge. They were just, you know, some of them were highly educated. Some of them had no education. Some of them were, you know, came from very religious backgrounds. Some of them came from very unreligious backgrounds. Some of them were very pro-Israel. Some of them had, like, basically, you know, abandoned Israel to partner with, with Rome. It was all different kinds of people different theological backgrounds, different schools of rabbinical thought, different, all, all different kinds of people. And Jesus said, hey, you all get to play. I mean, Jesus, when he was here on earth ministering, you know, he was going around and healing people and, and preaching the gospel and doing all these cool things. And the 12 was following around and saying, go, Jesus, you're awesome. You're awesome, Go. And then all of a sudden, Jesus one day looks at the 12, and he says, hey, you guys want to do it too? Why don't you guys do it? And they're saying, us? He's like, yeah, you guys get to play. Come on. And so the 12 begins to join in with Jesus and his ministry, and they go out and start praying for people and preaching the gospel. And this, this is paraphrased, but this is in scripture. So he begins to, they begin to pray for the sick, and they, the miracles begin to follow them and, and, and all these cool things. And then, do you know there was a larger group that followed the 12 and, and Jesus? It was the group called the 72. And they were going around saying, you know, go Jesus and the 12, you guys are awesome. You know, keep, keep it up. And then all of a sudden, Jesus looks at the 72. And he says, hey, why don't you guys go do it? Why don't you guys go play? And he sends them out. And they began to, to, to you know, do all these things, cast out demons and all these really awesome things. And they're like, yay, we all get to play. And then Jesus doesn't leave it there. But one of the last things that Jesus says before he leaves and ascends back into heaven, he says this. He says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Basically saying, now, it's not just the 12, it's not just the 72, it's all nations, it's everybody. Everyone gets to play. Go teach them how to play. Go get them in the game. Go teach them about who I am and what I've done. Everybody gets to be a part of the ministry of the church. Everyone 
gets to play. And I love that about the vineyard. Everyone gets to play. So this is what we're going to do to end. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. And we're going to invite us all to play. So what we're going to do is... So normally at the end of service, we'll have what we call a ministry time where we, you know, the pastor would, would have a few words for people and would call people up to, to pray for one another. Um, and then, you know, you know, you guys would come up and pray for them. But what we're going to do, we're going to do that where we are. We're going to all pray for one another. And let me just say this. If you're visiting or if you're new and this is really uncomfortable for you, um, I, I totally get it, and I don't want to. I'm not forcing you to do anything you feel really uncomfortable with. But I do want to encourage you. Maybe just watch, watch if you feel uncomfortable participating. That you can watch and you can go listen to people praying. And but but don't leave. Don't leave. And I, and also, if you feel uncomfortable, but you feel maybe a little nudge, maybe stretch yourself a little bit and pray. Get involved. Get involved because we believe everyone gets to play. So here's what I want to do. Who here has some kind of physical pain or physical ailment, sickness? It can be major. It could be something like as, as big as cancer. It could be like I, I woke up with the sniffles this morning or I have pain in my back. Who here has some kind of physical pain in their body or sickness? Raise your hand. Oh, okay. There we go. More hands. Raise your hand up high. Okay, keep them up. Who here has something in their life where... You are struggling with, you know, your career or something in your home or something with your family or financially where you really need wisdom from the Lord. You really need some, some guidance from the Lord. Raise your hand. Okay. So here's what we'll do. Let's stand up. So if you raised your hand, I want you to raise them up again. Raise them up really high. Now, the rest of us, the people who are around these people, we are going to gather around and just pray for them. And when we pray for them, here's what we do. We want to you know, ask them what they need prayer for. Ask them what they need prayer for. And this can be really quick. This is not like a long conversation where they say, oh, yeah, I threw my back out. And you're like, oh, yeah, I threw my back out one time. And this is, what, this is where we, just, we find out what they need prayer for. And then we pray for it. Because they didn't come here for you. They came here for Jesus. So when we pray then, we, just, we, just, we, we, we quiet ourselves. We quiet ourselves and we ask the Lord to speak to us. And then we, we, we speak healing. And let me say this. We don't have to convince God to heal people. We don't have to say, hey, God, if you're not too busy up there, can you come down and, and heal? We can say, pain be gone in the name of Jesus. We can say, fear be gone, anxiety be gone, you know, eyes see. Look at the prayers of Jesus. This is the way he prayed. It says, you know, knee be healed. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to be quiet and we're going to pray with authority. We don't have to use really fancy prayers. So let's start moving around. Raise your hands up really high. We can start gathering around people, ask them what they pray, want prayer for. And again, if this makes you really feel uncomfortable, I get it. It is a little bit weird. It is a little bit weird. But just stay and watch. And then as we pray for people, you can stop. There's still people with their hands up if you want to gather around those people. There's lots of hands that are still up. Don't put them down. 
So while you're praying for him, after you pray for, for a little bit, you can ask, hey, are you experiencing anything? Is the pain going away? Ask them and somehow get my attention if, you, if, if the pain starts to lessen. There's a, a lady here who needs prayer. Some people can, yep, there we go. If there's anyone else who, who needs prayer that no one's praying for, can you raise your hand? Okay. So Ben's going to lead us in, in one more song, but I just encourage you to, to join in. And if you feel disqualified, you are not disqualified. Of your mercy that saves a wretch like me, and the waves of forgiveness, your blood that covers me, pour it out. Remember, really simple prayers. Maybe, maybe wave your hand if, they're, if, they're, if people are experiencing the Lord or getting less pain. Here we've had we've had a woman with with tumors 
that you know went to the doctor and her tumors were completely gone. We've had people who've had uh, last night. There is a guy whose whose foot was like completely he could, couldn't put any weight on it, and then after prayer he could completely walk on it. Tons and tons of things over the past few weeks. So just just to kind of release faith in this room. you we say you are worthy you are higher than all other names you are greater than 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 anything anything we can even imagine we ask that you'd be glorified in this church you'd be glorified in our lives we thank you thank you that you've called us all to play to be all to be involved in your ministry we're called to be a body. We all have a function. We all can participate. And we just ask that we would not be scared, that you would, you would eliminate fear. And we would get, get into the, to whatever you have called us to do, Lord. But again, we just pray that you are glorified in this church and glorified in our lives. In your name, amen. Well, I want to encourage you guys as you leave, you can check out that list of books on the, on the info counter, but you know, sign up for the conference and the, the women's brunch and the, the equipped class. And if you are interested in baptism, the class is going to start in about five minutes. So you can make your way back to, to my office and the class will start in about five minutes. So bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. So